First Thessalonians chapter number four. First Thessalonians chapter four, and we want to begin reading here in verse number one. First Thessalonians four and one. The Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, uh, as we also have forewarned uh, you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness." Lord, we pray that you would bless us tonight as we look into your word. I pray that you would please cleanse me of sin. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to be filled with the Spirit and that I might be able to preach your word in a way that's helpful, uh, challenging, uh, Lord, uh, encouraging even along the way. And, uh, Lord, that we might uh, be uh, blessed to be drawn closer to you uh, as a result. Again, we pray your hand of blessing on our master clubs, uh, the children, Lord, the leaders. And all that's going on, our nursery, thank you for those folks. Our bus drivers tonight, uh, thank you for these that work faithfully week after week in these various ministries. Please strengthen them for tonight's work, uh, this, uh, this uh, opportunity to be spiritually strengthened in the middle of the week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, now, last time uh, I, I've flown on an airplane, some of y'all, I think, fly pretty regular. Uh, last time I flew on an airplane was... Uh, uh, was because I can't fly with my own arms. <laughs> Why do we say stuff like this? <laughs> Last time I flew. That's all you need to say right there, period, right? Yeah, anyway, uh, I, I remember as a missionary, we, I think uh, we um, came back and forth across the Pacific about 20 times, I think, in total. And, uh, and um, uh, 15 hours from Tokyo to Atlanta, and we'd try to get that all in one shot, you know, and uh, and then get here and be wore out for a week as a result. But uh, I remember I've seen I've seen uh, the um, uh, I've seen the the, the the flight preparations change over the years. And of course, uh, COVID blew the whole thing up uh, really. And uh, and so, um, uh, but uh, if, you, if you've ever flown, you know that there's some preparation needs to be made. Uh, whether it's packing or organizing or whatever it might be, and then you get on the airplane and. Then there's some instructions from the uh, from the flight crew uh, to try to help you get ready, uh, and uh, they used to do that in person, and now they just get you to look at the video on the back of the seat in front of you, uh, and so really kind of missing out. I've been in a few of those flight crew briefs where you had uh, a very animated individual uh, that uh, you know you think sometimes oh I've heard all this before, and you you get people pulling magazines out, not even paying attention. You always think to yourself, now look, if we have start having a problem here, I'm not trusting that guy. He's not even paying attention to what's going on. Uh, but every once in a while, you'd get one of them that'd be animated and the whole nine yards, and, uh, and uh, everybody was watching, and so to try to get them to pay attention to what was going on. Uh, but nonetheless, you do have to get ready, uh, and uh, you have to be prepared for taking off. And that's kind of what First Thessalonians chapter 4 is all about. Matter of fact, both books of uh, uh, bo both books uh, here, First and Second Thessalonians, 
uh, deal with the idea of the Lord's return. First Thessalonians more the rapture, second Thessalonians more the second coming. But nonetheless, we're talking about uh, in one way or the other, of course, going to be with the Lord. And there's got to be preparation made for that. You and I, our life is all working toward that end when we go to be with the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants. You remember from John chapter number 14, it said, I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, ye may be also. So that's where we're all going one day for saved. Amen. Is into the presence of the Lord. Uh, but uh, this life is all about getting ready for that. Uh, and uh, that's what we find Paul dealing with uh, the Thessalonians about here to help them get ready uh, to prepare, if you will, for uh, takeoff. Uh, and uh, the, as we think about that, we realize, as uh, encouraged as we are uh, about the thought that we are, we believe, of course, soon going to be with the Lord. Uh, here's the thing. We know that the Bible tells us about the Bema Seat of Christ. And we're going to have to stand before the Lord and answer for every deed done in this body, whether it's good or evil. That's coming also. And so we need to make preparation for that. Now, there are a lot of things that, that, uh, that people will let us get by with. There are a lot of things that we certainly will let ourselves get by with. But when we stand before the Lord, there ain't going to be much getting by unless uh, we've confessed our sins ahead before we get there. So we need to make sure that we try to live our life in such a way that we're rapture ready. You've heard that phrase maybe before, rapture ready. A lot of people use it when you have a church fellowship and they start with dessert instead of the meat. That way, if the rapture happens, I'm ready. All right, I had the dessert, ready to go. Uh, but, uh, you know, in all seriousness, we uh, have a life uh, that we have got to uh, try to keep prepared before the Lord. Uh, and, um, you know, you get ready for a flight uh, like, uh, like I did. You get ready, two or three flights we took getting to Texas and back for Brother Weed's funeral. Uh, and uh, you do that, and then you may not do it again for a while. Uh, but uh, our life, of course, once we're saved, our, uh, our life from the moment that we're saved is preparatory for heaven. It's preparatory for being with the Lord. And in order for us to uh, honor God and fare well uh, at our judgment, we've got to pay attention to ourselves. Uh, it's not a free-for-all, like we said on Sunday. We've got, a, uh, we've got some commandments from the Lord here. Uh, and uh, Paul, matter of fact, uses the same type of uh, 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 direction when he speaks to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 11 when he said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the point of that is this. Jesus is coming and we're looking for Him. Therefore, we ought to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world as part of our preparation time. Uh, and so that's really the focus of these first 12 verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. That is this. The single thought would be this. Be consecrated because Jesus is coming again. Be consecrated because Jesus is coming again. Uh, and uh, this, uh, uh, this uh, second coming of the Lord, our going to be with Him, our answering to Him, uh, is a purifying event in our life. It should be. That's what John said in 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet, uh, uh, excuse me, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All right? Now, you could say, well, 
uh, I'm going to get caught up to be with the Lord and He's going to clean me all up and straighten me all out. Well, the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 15 that this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. Amen. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. So you think to yourself, well, we'll just, uh, uh, we'll just take it easy and coast on in and Jesus will clean it all up when we get there. Well, if we keep reading in 1 John there in chapter number 3, verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. We're not supposed to be waiting till we get to heaven for the Lord to clean us up. We're supposed to be looking for that type of uh, uh, consecration now in our life. Making an effort spiritually uh, to uh, keep ourselves pure and right with God. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Why? Because I said a moment ago, we know it's reckoning day. And we're going to all give an account to the Lord. Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And so there's a judgment for the saved. There's a judgment for the unsaved. Every one of us will stand before God. And so in light of that accounting, the Bible gives us instruction on what to do. Uh, and uh, Paul even goes so far in the first verse of chapter 4 to say, Furthermore then, we beseech you. That's an, that's an imploring, it's a, it's a, it's a begging, it's a, uh, it is a, a high, if you will, encouragement with hope. Uh, we beseech you and exhort you, and no less by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a lot of names that you can invoke maybe. Uh, maybe you know people in your life or have met people in your life that are name droppers. You know what those are, don't you? The folks that like to talk about the important people they know and try to impress you or influence you or nudge you or some other thing. Uh, and, uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, there may be a lot of important people in the world, but none of them close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, under the, direction of, under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, said, I beseech you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you prepare yourself uh, for uh, this uh, coming rapture, this gathering together unto Him. Now, I want to know how to prepare, don't you? I, I, I do live a lot of my life about uh, three or four or five, eight or ten, twenty-five steps behind. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to be that way, amen, uh, when we go to be before the Lord. I want to be as prepared as I possibly can uh, coming into that event because... I want to honor him with my life. I don't want to displease him. Uh, and so Paul says, I beseech you. Now, how do I do it? How, how do I do it? Well, that's what he talks about in these verses. How do I get ready? Well, he says you get ready uh, by continual implementation. That's point number one. In other words, he's going to tell us here, put the Bible to work in your life. Look at it, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. In other words, you need to uh, get past the knowledge and into the implementation of scriptural truth in your life. Uh, we need to get past the talking into the walking. And here's the thing, Paul said, look, you know, you already know. You know, I uh, had, had the opportunity, of course, to uh, serve the Lord in the ministry for a number of years. Uh, and um, uh, I've, I've found uh, many times that some of the people who have the greatest challenges in their life 
uh, and uh, are, are, the, are, are, and are deeply concerned about those challenges are the ones really that because of their concern and because of their realization of their challenges, they already know about their need for the Bible and the Spirit of God and His leadership and many times have said, hey, could, you, could I sit down and talk with you about this? And you talk with them and you find out they already know what they need to do. They just need some encouragement. Some what is the word? Paraclete. They need somebody to come alongside and encourage them and exhort them and say, yeah, that's, that's you know, some assurance that we're heading in the right direction or we're thinking the right way. Uh, and most of us tonight that are in this place because of our uh, bringing up in church or maybe the number of years you've been in church as an adult since you were saved, you have a, a, a grasp of the Bible uh, that far exceeds those who don't yet know the Lord. Uh, and so you, uh, you know some things already. But where we, where we make a mistake is how much we know and how little we do. And that's what he's driving at in this verse. He says, you already know what we told you the commands are. Uh, and you need to be uh, busy about those. And, of course, there are many uh, that are uh, believers that are like the Athenians who spend their time in nothing else either to tell or hear some new thing. They're always uh, looking for... Uh, you know, they're always looking for that, uh, I don't know, some secret message in the Bible, something between the lines or something like that, some, uh, something that nobody else knows. And uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. <laughs> You're not the first cowboy to ride through this world. And uh, God has, uh, God has uh, uh, by His Spirit and by His Word, instructed people for generations past on how to live their life. I know it's hard for us to accept, but there is no new thing under the sun. That's right. And uh, so we, uh, well, that can be a little bit disappointing to us. Uh, we, but a lot of people spend their time looking to tell or hear some new thing when what they need to do is be reminded of what they already know. And that's what Peter did. Uh, when he said, I'm going to put you in remembrance of these things, though you already know them and be established in present truth. Peter said, I want you to be established by remembrance. We know what we need to be doing. All right. Uh, a lot of uh, Christians know they ought to read the Bible, but they don't. Uh, and a lot of Christians know they ought to pray, but they don't. Uh, it's easy stuff, right? A lot of Christians know they ought to, uh, they ought to give, but they don't. And then uh, they know they ought to be in church, but they're not. I mean, these are the things. These are the things that help people uh, that help people get along for God. They know they ought to be a witness. But then, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this: uh, that uh, that people who are serious about God, a lot of people who are serious about God, they don't witness like they should. And so the end result is there's this constant conviction and sense of not being all that God wants me to be and missed opportunities and why? Just because we don't do what we know we ought to do. Uh, and uh, then there's a lot, of, a lot of believers that know they ought to love their brother, but they don't. I mean, these things we already know. And James tells us in James 1, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his uh, uh, natural face in a glass. And then he says in verse 25 of James 1, But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, we know the word, we know what we ought to be doing, it's the doing we got to get doing uh, in order for the Lord to bless us. 
Um, uh, I'm reminded all the time, uh, just looking at our world, uh, I wonder sometimes if we, if we as uh, if we as a church, if, if we as individual believers uh, have any idea on how to effectively engage the world in which we live. I think we're so often in, uh, you know, a, if you will, a spiritual airtight chamber. We're not exactly sure how to be the witnesses we ought to be uh, out and about. And the end result of that, a lot of people become pharisaical and they judge people instead of loving people and try to bring them to Christ and win them to the Lord. They don't know the Lord. They don't know how to live. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to talk. I mean, it's clear, isn't it? And uh, who's going to help them? We're supposed to help them. Amen. Amen. And uh, uh, so, uh, but, but we, we need to be doers of the word. And not, not just doing it, but watch what he says there in the end of verse 1. Uh, he says, uh, uh, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God. Look, ye would abound, what? More and more. Guess what that means? You never reach the end of, your, uh, of implementing the scripture in your life. It's continual. You do it more and more. You get some areas straight in your life. All right, now, time to get on to the next one. I start to practice some other thing like I should. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Now, i got to get on to the next. There's never a time in this life when we will have arrived. Uh, uh, we're going to have to keep pressing forward uh, until the time that Jesus takes us home to be with him. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, after these uh, years of uh, ministry, uh, one thing that the God continually challenges me about uh, is the, this area of knowing Him in a closer manner. Knowing Him in a closer fellowship. It's constantly, how can I, uh, you know, how can I uh, uh, have uh, that uh, uh, abiding in the Lord that He desires us to have? I want to get beyond, you know, the, the, the uh, simple things that we do, that we're told to do, that we're commanded to do, uh, to that deeper, if you will, walk with the Lord. That closeness as friend with friend. So how am I going to do that? I've got to abound more and more. So what do I do? Well, every opportunity I get, I abound more and more in the Bible. And I abound more and more in prayer. And I abound more and more in church. I abound more and more in service. All these things we just talked about. We ab I, lo I love the brethren. And then I learn to abound more and more in that. Now, here's what that means. That means there ought to be a continual growth. A continual growth in us personally until we go to be with the Lord. More and more. Uh, you know, some people say, well, I'm, two, I'm uh, one step forward and two steps back. No, the Lord said more and more. There's no backing up with Him. And I want to keep moving forward. And I want to be all I can. And I want to continually ask the Lord to help me be all I can. Again, I'll remind you, you already know it. Uh, but if there's any adjustments to be made, they're on our part, not His. So we need to say, God, help me uh, be committed to uh, this continual implementation of your word. And I want to abound in it. And so I put it down this way. Don't dabble. Devote. Don't dabble in your Christianity. Devote yourself to it. Don't dabble in the Bible. Devote yourself to it. Be all that you can. Apply that word to your life uh, in continual Implementation. You already know what to do. Now do it. Verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Alright. 
Uh, and so I want to do that. Then the second way that we prepare uh, that he gives us here uh, is, uh, is uh, not only by continual implementation, but then by personal sanctification. Now, I like this particular thought as we go down through here because it reminds us that in our life, we need to do all we can to pursue holiness. Pursue genuine holiness in our life. And I put the word personal, personal sanctification uh, because of verse number four where it says that every one of you, that's individual, isn't it? Every one of you. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. Aren't you glad we're all made different? Are you not? Okay, then. Uh, yeah, we are. But what that means is, based on our temperament or our emotional state or our maturity in the Lord or whatever it may be, you and I as individuals have to know how to possess our vessel. So when the scripture says, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, we ought to know by now what those areas are in our life. Or if we don't, we, ought to, we want to be seeking those so that we don't give place or fall prey to the devices of the devil. Every one of us ought to know how to possess our vessel. Now the commonality among all of us is sin. Right. And if we're born again, that salvation coming by faith in Jesus Christ. But as individuals, uh, you and I, uh, certainly we need to know, we need to be aware of, I should say, that the devil knows which strings to pluck. And so you and I need to know it. Uh, so we can be on the watch for that. That's what the scripture says. We're not, we're not ignorant of his uh, devices. So it's personal sanctification. Uh, back in chapter 3 in verse number 10, Paul said, Night and day, praying exceedingly, that, that we might see your face, watch now, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So uh, he is wanting to see them uh, be perfected. That means to go on to maturity in their faith. He wanted to perfect that which was lacking. And that word faith in verse number 10, uh, it, it includes far more than just belief. It's not the idea of just, you know, uh, what I believe about God, which is true. I mean, the more we know about Him, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, but uh, it's not just what we believe about God. Uh, that word faith there has the idea of the working out of that belief. So it kind of connects to the scripture there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so there needs to be this, uh, if you wanted to take it, the word faith and, and think of it as the idea of faithfulness, that would be close there. That would help us to grasp. He said, I'm wanting to help you in the area of your faithfulness. That is the day-to-day -day practices of your faith. That's what James was talking about. He was talking more about salvation. But he did say in James 2 and 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Uh, here's the response. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. And so it's the idea of, uh, of putting our faith into practice. We need to perfect this thing. And so it connects to that first uh, thought there of continual implementation. All right? I want to perfect uh, my faith. Uh, and the area, one of the areas where I need to work this stuff out is in the area of personal sanctification. 
I need to be working on personal holiness uh, and growing in the Lord in the manner of holiness. And uh, this is always true for new believers. And this was a young church. But it's not just young uh, pe people that are young in the Lord. Uh, it's folks sometimes like the Corinthians who don't grow as they should. They don't hear as they should. They don't, uh, they don't exercise or work out their faith like they should. So that Paul said, look, I've got a lot of things I'd like to say to you, but I can't for your carnal. You're not, yeah, and, uh, uh, and the author of Hebrews uh, says it this way in chapter 5 and verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. And so we don't want to be in that case. We want to go on and grow, which is uh, in, in those following verses there in Hebrews chapter number 5. Personal sanctification. Now, what is that? He lays it out for us here. Number one, it means to live purely. To live purely. And the last part of verse number 3, uh, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication. And that word abstain means to hold off from. It means to have restraint. It needs to be distant from. Uh, and uh, if there's ever a, uh, an age in our society where this kind of thing is, is awful, it's now. It's on every hand. And uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to get worse the closer we get, of course, to the time uh, to go and to be with the Lord. And so therefore, we have to make a, a decision uh, that we're going to separate ourselves. That what's, that's what sanctify means, to be separate, separated from sin and set apart unto God. And that we have to act to the will. That's what we do. We've got to make a decision to draw close to God uh, and to resist the devil. Uh, and so especially in this area of fornication, which our society, uh, as with anything else, is drunk with, including booze and drugs and all that kind of thing, and uh, and even recently, what was it? Last, the, I don't know when it was. Here, recent last couple of days, they were tearing down Philadelphia up there, and maybe you saw it in the news. And uh, what a mess they've created up there. Uh, and uh, that's our world. Uh, and uh, you know the the um, the meth problem. Story in the news the other day about the little baby that got killed in a in a that died in a child care center. Uh, because there was meth on the stuff, I, I guess, and uh, killed it. And they had to revive uh, several other children uh, with Narcan. Is that what they did? Narcan. They had to use Narcan to revive several other babies. Why? Because the adults in that place had drugs all over the place. I mean, that's just where we're living. Uh, that's how it is. You and I shouldn't have any part in that. You and I, you know, shouldn't have any part in the sensualization of our country. Uh, we need to flee that kind of thing and live purely. Live purely. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, whatever, you, whatever you need to do, I'll make no, uh, uh, um, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Got to do it. Got to do it if you're going to live purely, if you're going to engage in personal sanctification. The second instruction here under this matter of personal sanctification, that is being set apart from sin unto God, is that I want to live honorably. And I like that. It's in verse 4. We read it earlier. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and what? Honor. Hey, I'm telling you one thing. Uh, it's an honor to be called a Christian. It's an honor that God would forgive us of our sin and save us. Uh, and that we ought to live an honorable Christianity. One that pleases God. 
Uh, we want to live, uh, we want to possess our vessel in such a way that we live life honorably, not following after all the, the, the vain pursuits of the world in verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence. And all that really is is a, a double emphasis on uh, following uh, wicked desires. Uh, and not just wicked desires, but strong wicked desires. Now, I like it's in there. Because some people say, well, now, look, I'm just too weak. No, you're not. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't have commanded you not to do it. Uh, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter the depth uh, of the temptation. It doesn't matter the strength of the draw. You and I in Jesus Christ do not have to follow uh, this idea here uh, of the lust of concupiscence. We don't have to because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we can live victorious, uh, it, uh, victoriously if we will live victorious. So we live purely. Uh, personal sanctification means we live purely. It means we live honorably, but then also it means we live constrainedly. In other words, we put some boundaries in our life. And here I like it because he's talking about uh, how we work and deal with other people. Of course, now this uh, section is dealing with this matter of uh, uh, fornication. Uh, but the principle applies across the board as well. Look at verse 6. I'm talking about living constrainedly. And you'll notice that phrase that no man go beyond. That, that, those two words go beyond mean uh, uh, to go or pass over a wall. In other words, there's some barrier. There's some natural boundary. And we go beyond it. And here's what he's saying. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Watch yourself. Discipline yourself. Keep yourself within the bounds of that which is appropriate. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother. Of course, uh, we could uh, apply uh, what we previously said about fornication in that way. Uh, but then also, uh, we're talking here about overstepping our limits or transgressing against others. There are some people that live in this world like the whole world is their, is their uh, what they call it, buffet. This whole place was created for me. Those are exactly the kind of people that are going to cross bounds and hurt people. See? They're going to go beyond the limits uh, of proper behavior one toward another. And that word defraud there means to take advantage of. <laughs> It mean, look, it means we get in somebody else's personal space. We go beyond the boundary where we should not go and we defraud them. We take advantage of them. We used to do this, uh, uh, have a watch night service there in, uh, in uh, Japan. Uh, we did it both at Misawa and also at Okinawa. And uh, down in Okinawa, they used to call it popcorn preaching. Now, I didn't come up with that name. Somebody else came up. I didn't particularly care for it because it gave the idea that we're going to come and you eat popcorn and they're going to preach. That's not what it meant at all. But one of the things that I always do, we'd always get some of the, you know, at any given time, we had several men in the church that God had called to preach or maybe called to ministry or called to mission field or something. So I'd just put them all down to preach and they'd give them a few, a few minutes, eight or ten minutes. We'd start them out on a, a, a New Year's Eve and we'd preach right up to midnight. Preach and sing and eat. Got to eat. And so 
Uh, and here's what I tell them when I was talking to them about the, uh, about the preaching. I said, now here's the thing. Now you can, you can stand up there all night long. You can come up on your 10 minutes. You can come up on the end of your 10 minutes. And you can say that the Holy Ghost has led you to preach longer. But before you say that, you keep this in mind. That you're also saying that it's God's will to take minutes from the next man. Yeah. That's right. And uh, so... The point was, to some degree, uh, I use this as an illustration to this very thing. Don't go beyond and defraud your brother. Don't cross the boundary because you, you're not a lone ranger in this world. You live with other people. And they're around you. And you're supposed to help and encourage and whatever, serve and minister. But here's the deal. If you're not careful, as we said that, as we've said so often, we start living for ourselves to the point where we begin to impose upon others. In other words, we shouldn't be looking for or appreciating even or taking advantage of opportunities to increase ourselves at the expense of others. Um, and too many are guilty of taking advantage of gener uh, the generosity and kindness and patience and long-suffering and congeniality and good-natured demeanor of other people. They, they just know this is why uh, that the, uh, the uh, local church is a place where it's very easy for diatrophies to get in. Because a lot of times people are kind and they're gracious and they're long-suffering and all that kind of thing. And I'm telling you one thing, uh, a self-lover will recognize that and take advantage of it. And the uh, Bible warns us about that here. Uh, why? Because... Uh, you and I, uh, uh, excuse me, man may not catch us doing it, but God's paying attention. You see that in verse number six there, uh, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, uh, in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger. Now, not the superhero. A lot higher than that, amen. That word avenger means punisher. Well, I don't want to be punished by God. But here's the thing. He says you better be warned. The Lord is the avenger of all such as we have also. Look at this in this word. Forewarn you. It's a warning. That you be careful about boundaries and you keep them. Uh, you know. Um, uh, so uh, we want because the Lord tells us not to be going beyond. And the Lord said this in, uh, uh, in uh, Luke 12 and 45. But if that servant say in his heart my Lord delayeth his coming and begin to beat the men servants and the maidens and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him. And an hour when he's not aware and will cut him asunder. And so let all the diatrophies and the bullies and the intimidators beware. There's a God that's watching. And you and I better be careful about going beyond and defrauding our brother. Taking advantage of them. Uh, in some way uh, taking advantage of their kindness. I want to live constrainedly. I want to put some constraint. And what is it that constrains? The love of Christ constrains. And so if we love the Lord and we love people, we're going to keep ourselves in bounds. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to say it and I'll be wrong, but I'm not sure there's a sport that doesn't have bounds. I know that people break them all the time. Uh, but there's a boundary line. And if you go outside of that, it's a foul. And the Lord said, don't be, don't be living foul. 
stay in your lane and stay where you're supposed to be and respect others. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, he'll have to move in and do something about that. So uh, he tells us to live purely, live honorably, live constrainedly. And then he, he, he tells us to, to live reverently in verse number seven. For God, God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, that would indicate to us in verse number seven, going back to this idea of, of, of abstaining from fornication and all that kind of thing. God doesn't want us, uh, as we said a moment ago, living in sin. He's not called us to do that. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that accuse him of that. Yeah, a lot of people that say, oh, God, uh, you know, everybody else got rules, but God's, me and, me and, me and God, we're good. Yeah, you heard that? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I told you before, years ago, I had a young man, single guy, and he began to live with a woman. Uh, and uh, he, was, uh, he was a member of our church there at the time, and we had to deal with that. And, and so we said, look, you can't be doing that. And he said, well, God told me to. I said, no, <laughs> he didn't. Uh, he, God did not. Hey, you know, because the Bible says he didn't tell you. And so <laughs> it's amazing how arrogant people get sometimes. Uh, but uh, we're to live reverently. Now, there's a couple of points to this. And that is this, that we need to, we, we live reverently by living in holiness rather than uncleanness. Now, we saw that in verse number seven. And that word uncleanness uh, is filth in the natural or physical sense. But it also has the idea of incontinence or lack of control. How is it that we would live in uncleanness? By lack of self-discipline. By lack of control. That's, that's included in that word uncleanness. That's why we put boundaries on ourselves. We, we, uh, Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That's by any means. Of course, I become a castaway. And so the Lord has uh, told us here that God's not called us to uncleanness, but to hold. Now watch. Because a lot of times, as I said a moment ago, we begin to make excuse for ourselves. But when we begin to do that, we need to be reminded, the Lord said, that God has not called us to uncleanness. Whatever we may, whatever excuse we might be making about the sin in our life, whatever reason for this, that, or the other, this uh, action, this uh, attitude, whatever, well, we're not, we're, we're, we have to remember, God has not called us to do that. He's called us to holiness in all manner of conversation. And so I need to, living reverently means I live in holiness rather than uncleanness. And it means living with respect to God's ultimate authority. Look at verse number 8. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. So here's the thing. And this happens more regularly than maybe some of it that I've already mentioned. But you preach on something out of the Bible and somebody says, well, that was just that preacher's opinion. We don't need to do that. It's just a preacher's opinion. Now, I are a preacher. And I know preachers can be opinionated. And many times we have to work at not being so. Uh, and I'm thankful for that burden. We try to deliver the message, thus saith the Lord. Doesn't matter what I think anyway. Who am I? But God's word is what's important. But there are some people that say, no matter what you preach... Uh, you could interpret it all and dissect it all and exegete it all perfectly before God. And there are some people who are going to say, well, that's just your opinion. But watch what he says in verse 8. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man. That's what they think they're doing. 
They're despising men. They're despising a man. That's why there's a lot of people not in church tonight. They despise some preacher. Some man. Maybe not a preacher. Maybe some person in the pew. Maybe some acquaintance. Maybe somebody they had friendship and fellowship with and then something went awry. And now the, the, the one tried to help, encourage, correct, instruct the other. And they didn't appreciate that. So they said, look, uh, that's just your opinion. And they despise them. I like the scripture says, despise not prophesy. Don't do it. Um, but he said, you, 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 you're not despising men, you're despising God. Why? It, and you go back here further, uh, verse number two, for you know what commandments we gave you, look now, by the Lord Jesus. He didn't say you know what commandments we gave you because we're so smart. Because we're educated, because I was a Pharisee. Paul didn't say that. He said, we gave you commands by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the thing that, that God worked in as it relates to the uh, Thessalonians back in verse number 13 of chapter 2 when he said, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God. That's how we received the Bible it, as the word of God. That's how we received the preaching, the, the preaching rightly divided is to be received as the Word of God. And if we despise, if we despise, we're not despising men, we're ultimately despising God because He is the ultimate authority. All right. And so He, he, he tells us to get ready for this upcoming flight because a continual, a by, I should say, continual implementation. As you learn the Bible, all right, maybe you've already learned it. Here's what He said. Put it to work in your life. You got to get beyond. Look, the Lord is not going to. When you get, you, know, <laughs> you ever tried to help somebody and they say something like this? Oh, I knew that. You ever had that happen? Yeah. You know what's not going to happen in heaven? I knew that. Not happening there. It, knowing and doing are two different things. You want to get rapture ready, you'll have to be doing what you know. See, if you're going to do well then. And then personal sanctification, living purely and honorably and constrainedly and reverently, uh, again, for, for, uh, for God and for, uh, for people. And so, uh, this is his first, first uh, two for us. I'll continue next week uh, for time tonight. But uh, the onerous is on us. Us, we're the ones. Uh, we can't blame God. We can't blame somebody else. Uh, th this is our command to, uh, to apply the Bible to our life and to live in personal sanctification. And you have to choose this day whom you're going to serve. Let's stand together and bow our heads for prayer, please.